What's going on, guys? AJ here. And yes, I said AJ. Uh, this actually is something I want to uh, I want to let you guys know, actually. Uh, my name is Anthony, obviously. That's the, the name that my mother gave me. Um, that's the name of my, uh, my late father who uh, passed away when I was 18 that I love dearly. Uh, but uh, for those that know me pretty well, and, and honestly, those that, that don't really know me too well, most people call me AJ. So maybe I'll start to... Uh, to start to refer to myself as so uh, moving forward. And uh, I'm bringing this up because I had an amazing person on my podcast today, a dear friend of mine, uh, the COO of the brand that I'm currently working on right now and working with right now. Uh, his name is Naya. Uh, he's a very thoughtful guy, very interesting guy, he has a lot of perspectives around leadership that I don't think uh, he's getting enough credit for, but that's an entirely another conversation. Uh, he's just an amazing dude, an amazing brother, uh, a person that I have grown to respect over the last six to seven weeks and uh, someone that I'm, I'm genuinely building a, a real relationship with. So uh, I want you guys to enjoy this episode. We're going to be diving into all things we as it pertains to leadership and culture and really, you know, taking all ego out of the picture, figuring out ways to be patient figuring out ways to be thoughtful and just figuring out ways to uh, be better people uh, and, and, and work together uh, to, towards a, a greater mission. So I'm excited about today's episode. I'm excited for you guys to meet uh, Naya and learn a little bit more about his perspectives. And I really, really, really hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Thanks so much. What's going on, guys? Anthony here back again. Uh, I have a special friend on the podcast today uh, my guy naya how are you brother doing well he is uh how are you feeling today aj i'm doing okay drinking a little tea here um me and naya are having a lot of very interesting thoughtful conversations around what would you say organizational design structure employees um, leadership uh, and 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 I think what we're trying to do now is we're trying to have a thoughtful conversation that we're going to be able to utilize for the work that we do together um, around uh, the power of we. And I think that's actually a very interesting conversation that a lot of people have in this space overall. But uh, I would I would I would say that me and Naya have a have an interesting perspective on this um, since we're. You know, currently right now, kind of going through some interesting moments in our professional careers. So I think um, I'm very interested to hear his perspectives and hopefully you guys are as well. How's that for an intro? Sounds good to me. Perfect. I, does this get edited as well? Like you can just clip it up? This is happening right now. This will not. Oh. <laughs> so um, tell me, tell me your thoughts though. So let's jump right in. Tell me your thoughts on Let's actually, like you said, let's let's go at a high level. The power of we. What's your just your general perspective on that statement? Well, I guess I need to step myself back a little bit because where my where where my mind goes is to organizational culture, and and you know part of you know what what AJ didn't share at the beginning is that uh, we we work together, um, and he has has brought a, a focus on culture and the experience of all of the staff, all of the personnel at our organization that allows us this opportunity to really think about the 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 culture of our organization as a mind a mindset and an added attitudinal thing that each of us takes to the work that we do 
um, whether it's behind a computer or in a school setting. And a attitudinal shift in how we think about our, our, our work with each other um, as collaborative, um, necessarily so, um, from the, the things that we do individually that might just be an update that somebody has to read, um, or whether that is something where we really need to be in the same room or on a video conference together accomplishing this work because two hands are, are, are better than one in, these type, in this type of work. Um, that, that, sent, that, that mindset, that attitude that two hands are, are, are better than one, many hands make light work or we, we, we necessarily need each other in order to accomplish this work together. Um, it, it really can be a mindset shift for organizations that have, um, have traditionally been smaller and are growing um, or organizations where um, the work can just kind of kind of tends to be conducted in silos. Because I do think that the traditional model for the workplace has been very compartmentalized. Finance does what finance does. Marketing does what marketing does. Um, service does what service does. Sales does what sales does and so on. Um, whereas in 2020 and, and, and beyond, I think that we, we acknowledge that there's synergy and sensitivity that needs to be paid towards all of the contributions that each of us makes to each other. Um, because at the end of the day, we're all working on behalf of each other. That was a great framework. I appreciate that. You should be running this podcast, not me. Two hands are better than me. That's Why, what do you think, what do you think about that? Um, what do you think about the power of we? What when I mean you, you you've brought the focus to our organization of collaboration. You you know I, I've adopted I've adapted the word synergy into my my vocabulary on a far more recent frequent basis in the in the the workplace as of recent. Um, because I see it. I I see that that um that 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 is so important that we have to understand how we we share the work, we share the responsibilities, we share the goals. And that oftentimes a lot of the inputs that we have into the workday, those are handoffs to somebody else and how we make that handoff matters. Um, so you, you've brought this concept, I believe, you know, and, 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 and I believe it, um, ever since you, you, you know, day one in the organization. Um, so I, I really, when I think of the power of we, I, I, I look at, at you as somebody who, um, who is helping us frame this. Um, so where, you know, what do you think of, of, of that notion that we is better than I or we is better than me? Well, well, I guess in a weird way, I guess let me explain to everyone where this comes from for me personally. Um, so ever since the demise of my first business, I made it a, uh, I made it a, a decision that I would study two hours a day minimum around all things business. That could be sales, that could be finance, that can be leadership, that could be organizational structure that could be branding, marketing, whatever you want to call it, right? And, and and why I brought that up is because I believe when I am providing my input to a team, I'm really providing the input of the last, again, the last 78 years of collective information that have been put into my brain. So really what I'm bringing is that we mindset. It's not just my own individual thoughts and experiences. I'm bringing the experiences of a 
of a Tony Robbins at a, at a personal development level and bringing the experiences of with Keith Ferrazzi at a, at a behavioral, you know, structure and psychology element. I'm bringing the, you know, the perspectives of a Christine Comerford forward or a Gary Vaynerchuk from a branding perspective and a marketing perspective and a thought leadership perspective. I'm bringing collectively all of these different people that I've, that I've either personally met or learned from via blogs and podcasts to, to these meetings and to these, to these situations. And, and what I've learned from that is, one person's own perspectives and, and information is not enough. You need a collective voice to be able to get the the most out of out of what you're doing, get the most out of an idea. Uh, and and I think a lot of brands, like you say, they have this one voice, this one perspective, and at the end of the day, this one person in any sort of business, they never have all the answers. Um, a lot of ego is involved with those scenarios where they think they have all the answers. And if you were to bring two or three or five or 10 of your people that you know have all different types of perspectives and backgrounds, that's when you guys can start to formulate and structure uh, a, a greater a greater idea, a greater strategy uh, that can help the brand grow faster and more more effectively. So that's, again, I just wanted to kind of give you, I, I guess I never really broke that down to you of, of really why I look at it that way, because, you know, I don't credit any of my success for me personally. Like I didn't like kind of, I didn't sit in a meditation room and just come up with this stuff. Like I've had the support and help of a lot of different professionals over my career. So it's really been the power of we for my success personally, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And for any of us, right. Who, who stands alone in their achievements can't think of a single person nope i can't either but i think a lot of leaders unfortunately a lot of leaders do that right i think a lot of leaders when they look at the hard work that they put in they they may feel like their emotional perspectives and effort towards the brand may be heightened or 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 higher than, than others so they feel like they have to take you know the brunt of the the pressure and the brunt and the brunt of the success and, and and the failures and 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 all the different things that come along with business so i think a lot of leaders just subconsciously uh again just have the power of i you know i did this i got us here i i i worked hard to get us to this point when really you know it goes back to the e1b2 mindset really none of this could ever happen without your 40 your 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 people that you have behind you um and and and, and, and all the people who came before them exactly and all the people that came before them and all the podcasts or blogs or former jobs they had and all the information that they learned from absolutely absolutely i, I think that's a really great point the perceived risk of that the leader the pre- perceived risk of the the people at the top matters to how the organization functions. Um, the perceived risk, the perceived burdens um, of, of making the right moves in order to see the organization grow, the, the, the door stay open, impact being made, sales being made, how, however an organization determines its success, that matters. And an organization that's, that's ran by a leader who has a lot of skin in the game, a lot of skin in the game where they, they really, they, they really feel every mistake. They really feel every loss or perceived loss. 
um, that, that, that can be dangerous because, you know, when people lose things, they, they kind of lose their mind too. Um, and they're not always thinking with their um, mindful and, and rational brain that is, is, that can put that loss into context. Um, they're thinking out of their lizard brain. That's afraid that this, like this, snowball might continue to tumble, might build, it might, and it it might become dangerous. Um, An organization that operates with a we mindset, it's like diversifying your investments. You you diversify and spread the the risk and the burden, and you give people the ownership and offer true accountability over what it means to be burdened with those responsibilities in order to, 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 in order to empower the people to you know take on ownership they have to share that burden they have to feel that burden they have to care about nurturing an environment where they'll be successful um so that so that they don't have so that they so that it doesn't become a loss for the organization like when you give people true ownership when you give them when you invite them to be to team on in in, to team up in order to address the many burdens that any one organization bears um they they'll st- they'll step up to the they'll step up to it if only because nobody nobody wants to bear a heavy burden everybody wants a, a light burden so the the we in an organization i i do believe allows you to diversify your risk um and and it allows it allows people to 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 feel lighter in their work as well are you familiar with uh the flat organization concepts Flat, stru- flat structures and, and cooperatives are, are, are the future, in my mind. I would love to hear your opinion on that, but I guess I'll frame up where I may want you to go with that and, and what I'm thinking. Um, there is a company, uh, I, forget, oh, I always forget the name. There's, long story short, there's a company that everyone in the company gets the same amount of money. Every, like Literally. Every, everyone in the company has the same exact amount of money, but more than finances, right? Let's take finances out the, out the, out the picture because that's, that's a objective and subjective conversation that we can have another day. What they, what they The way that they designed, so they had this like this chart of like values that the company will abide by and, and, and every decision will be made connected to these core 7, 12, 15 values that they have and no decision around a, 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 an employee being hired or a marketing strategy, or a dollar spent, or a strategic move uh, of, of a new service or a product, nothing is made without the collective buy-in of everyone at that table. And if one person, or three people, or five people out of the 50, or the 60, or the 70 people have a different perspective, uh, that decision, to some degree, obviously, now that's a whole other conversation as well, won't be made until collectively everyone can say, I either fully agree or I see where you guys are coming from and I'm going to, and I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to step in this direction. I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not too sure if this is the best place to go, but I'm going to believe and trust in the we, and I'm not going to be so hell bent on, on the I. Um, what are your thoughts on just that? But more or less, let me hear, let me hear what you've learned and, and where your perspectives of the future around this, this flat organizational structures uh, and, and kind of, I think, where the world's going. Yeah, I mean, cooperatives have been around for a 
a long time. I mean, I have no idea how long cooperatives have been around, but I I was introduced to cooperatives early on in, in terms of community gardens, um, upkeeping a, a place where people could grow their own fresh vegetables, um, flowers if they cared to, um, gather with the community, have, have barbecues, and everybody paid a, a membership fee, and, and the rules were the, the rules and governance was was by by the members. Um, we all paid the same amount for this plot of land here and and manage it through our chores um, and come together regularly, just as you said, to, to vote on um, re- repairs and improvements and all of that jazz. Um, and it, it goes back to, to that word you that, that word you used earlier collective. It goes back to how how do we want to use our collective energy towards this end? Um, and that, to me, has always been the clearest representation of what a business is. It is people who come together every day and put their collective energy together towards an end. Um, and how, how we do that and what each person contributes and how important it is um, in comparison to someone else in the organization, those questions have always been trivial to me. I don't think that there should be any value difference between the person who just pushes data and the person who makes decisions about the the company's future because at the end of the day the person who's making the decisions about the company's future doesn't want to do the data and the person who's doing the data probably doesn't have the context to make the decisions about the company's future so we're both contributing something of value that that moves us forward um respectively towards our common end let Um, me jump in real quick nice what you mm -hmm. just said is what i was going to try to politely interrupt you on which was uh the the context right so there is there's a ton of content that i've actually been reading recently and uh i was in a situation recently uh about around not having enough context and and trying to make a a statement or a decision that could have benefited the way the way where a company you know is, is organized or or who should be doing what and i didn't have all the context so i wasn't able to make an accurate and efficient statement and i and i think there's a world where it is a leader's responsibility um whether that's a ceo a founder an executive whatever the case is going to be where that data person should have all of the context right don't you see there's a world do you do you see a world how how much does that improve their their decisions around that data their delivery around the data the way that they're looking at that data for for new uses and utility like absolutely context Context creates buy-in. You understand the why behind the data and, and the work. And it allows you to increase your depth of, deepen, deepen your knowledge level, increase your depth of knowledge so that you can, can start to extrapolate other uses. That's, that's so essential. Context is, is the, the foundation of learning. But do you think it's the responsibility of a leader or executives to provide that context? Because what I'm realizing is uh, what I'm realizing is a lot of leaders have this like this ego hold on on context and information. Um, and I and I also think there's like this and this happens a lot like in the hip hop industry. You know, you always hear kind of like the OGs, like the 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 the, the you know, the Jay-Z's of the world and the ice cubes of the world and the, the 50 cents of the world. They always say that, you know, the younger guys, um, you know, aren't open to hearing 
the the game are open to hearing the context, the details, the nuances, the 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 goods to be able to get to that next level. Do you feel like that's the same kind of in business where, you know, either a in certain employees are 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 I don't want to say scared to receive the information or just not interested in receiving the information, or do you feel like certain executives um, are withholding context to have that ego hold to to kind of flaunt the the reality which is you know i i just simply know more than you i'm simply more skilled than you and this is the way it's going to be and this is why i get paid twenty thousand dollars more than you and this is why the decision lies with me and not you collectively and that's the way it's going to be do you do you feel like there's any of those variables and those examples that i that i just gave happening where yeah just jump in there yeah I would, I would say, and both, and both. Um, you know, a mentor of mine, Mary Pat Byerly, my political science advisor at the University of South Dakota, now retired, living her glory days. Um, she, she introduced me. Right yeah, she introduced me to that 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 notion that no one of us is a panacea of a, a single of of a single mind. We we are capable of being withholding and power hoarding context because that's what that is like you withhold a common way that organizations um will do that is not create inclusive practices around decision making so we're gonna innovate in this new way we're gonna start this special project and we're gonna say and 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 we who know best or have the time to to think about it are going to determine what that what that best next step is without your buy-in um, because we have the most context. Uh, it takes time to build context. Um, and I think that that's the converse side is that if it's not power hoarding context because you wanna be the person making the decisions, then it's not, it's not being mindful enough to take the time to make the inclusive decisions. And I think most people are the latter. Most people are the latter. Most people aren't building in the time into their organizations in order to make inclusive decisions because making inclusive decisions takes a lot of time to build context. And if there's anything that any of us on a given day feels like we have a scarcity of, it's time. Well, I'll tell you this, and you'll like this. Um, the the guest that's coming up here, hopefully in the next week or two, uh, Jason, he often talks about he asked, I believe, and we, we can actually ask him this once we have the podcast, actually, because I want to I want to get more data around this. But inside of Basecamp, he te- he says that I believe every decision that's made, he types up in like a story format, nice, long, you know, meaty content uh, of, of, of why he made a decision so that it's housed in, in Basecamp so that every employee in the company, if they ever question it or if they ever upset with that decision they can refer to that to, to that to that passage in base camp understand why a certain you know decision was made agree with it or disagree with it but they have the context now if they want to again disagree adjust it change it bring up potential issues that maybe Jason didn't see the context the context is there what about that practice do you do you find that practice interesting yeah i i i i the process of writing is reifying. It really forces one to sit down with one's one's thoughts and articulate oneself clearly in on any one topic or any one decision. I think that's an incredible practice. You had um, told me to do a little 
reading on on Basecamp for for work. Um, you know, since I do the operations and we're always looking for new ways to collaborate, you had referred me to to Basecamp, and I pulled up an, an article um, about the six week batch cycle that um, Basecamp's employees go through and and it had touched on that practice of, of writing down thoughtfully the decisions that are being made um and i i can't agree more i can't agree more especially since you know this work year in particular um we grew a lot and needed and have been needing to make a feels like many um quick decisions with the little capacity that we had and the and, and frankly, like some of the turnover challenges that, that we needed to face, like even, even, even if it's just one position here and there, um, when you don't have enough people already standing in those gaps means that, you know, you're, you're juggling, you're doing more juggling than you would like. Um, and I think that whatever an organization can do to move slow and methodically, um, the better off all of its people and its services are going to be. Um, I love that practice and it, and it forces one to be, to be very clear um, with those who they're coordinating with. And I want to touch on that briefly before we wrap up here, because I think that's interesting again, not to, you know what, and, and you know what, I'm, I'm going to own it. Actually, I'm going to own it. I am a huge fanboy for Jason Freed. I'm going to own it. I'm going to appreciate it. I normally am not. I'm the same way for this guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, I believe the way that I'm a fanboy for Jason Fried and Gary Vaynerchuk is the same way someone's a fanboy for LeBron James or uh, or or Kiss, the rock band, right? I think it's the same way. Um, me and you genuinely enjoy having business conversations, so I should not be ashamed of fanboying Jason, right? Agreed. Fanboy I away. I appreciate that. So there's another thing, and as I went on that rant, I can't even remember what I was going to say, I think. Um, give me like six seconds to try to think about what I was going to say. I think I was going to allude to what was the last statement that you made? What were you, what were we actually just talking about? (laughs) (laughs) About how the articulation of decisions in writing brings clarity to those who coordinate around that decision. Thank you. Thank you. Great, sir. I got it now. Uh, So again, Jason actually alludes to this. And he goes in these wide range of rants about this. And I'm actually going to definitely uh, bring that up. And and I'm going to give him the freedom to take 15 minutes of a rant if he wants to. He talks about something that I think me and you and the rest of the executives uh, with with our brand will, will understand. He says this. He says, what's the rush? He, he, he says, he says, what's the rush? He says, I don't see why we can't have a 40-hour work week. And that's it. No more. He said, in in some cases, it can be less. He was like, people have families, people have lives, people have careers, people have things going on. Like, maybe it's a 32-hour work week. Maybe it's 37. But it should be no more than 40. And not only that, and if you want it to be more than 40, that's fine. But don't do it from a sense of urgency. Like, what is the rush? And and he was like, you know, what, what are you chasing? Who is chasing you? Where, where's the sense of this, 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 um, yeah, where's the sense of urgency coming from this fear, this, this anxiety to, 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 to work crazy amounts of hours or to make these impulsive, crazy reactionary decisions. And so that's why he was getting along the same themes of, hey, slow down, 
Be thoughtful about the decision you made. Spend 30 minutes and document in Basecamp or whatever format you want to do. It can be an email. It can be anything of why you made the decision. You know, sit on that thought of that decision for a day or two. You know, allow your employees to, you know, to collaborate with you around these decisions. Um, you know, what's the, why are we all rushing so fast to, to, to get things done? Like, like, and honestly, now, like, like, let's think about this. Like, what are we chasing? Like, like what, like, like let's get into a spiritual conversation. Well, like, well, what, what are we chasing? I, what are we doing here? Like, what, it, what are we really I, doing? I appreciate you calling upon a call, trying to transcend it into a spiritual conversation. I want to keep it practical for a second. That's right. Um, and then I, and I, and, and, and then we shall see if we can ascend. Um, the, that sound, yes, I generally agree. What is the rush? Slow down, be methodical, be thoughtful. That is the principled position that one should keep, that we keep. And also does sound like somebody working from in the private sector, because that is a question that I've often wondered for private sector workers, like, what is your why, right? Like, yes, making making um, the, the greatest goods, the greatest services um, possible for people, um, for any number of areas of life. Like I am grateful for the private sector. I've always been a, worked in the public sector. Um, the why has always been very clear to me because it's been about serving people and, and primarily for me, it's, it's been in some area of, of the education system, whether it's adult education or, or youth education or collegiate education. Um, it's, about, it's, it's about ensuring that quality and consistent services are offered to the next generation of, of leaders. It's of, of, of young geniuses, of people who are going to be working in our offices and in our, in our private and our public um, workplaces. The, the urgency is the urgency of now in the public sector is always very present. Um, and imagine, imagine for schools, the urgency of now, like we have school districts across the United States that are starting, starting the school year off with 50 plus classrooms that aren't filled. Baltimore regularly has a hundred classrooms that aren't filled with teachers that are overburdened and overworked. And to try and tell a teacher that they can have a 35 hour work week, like, yes, that is a future that our teachers deserve. That is not today. That is not today at all. The urgency of repairing our public sector and serving our people rather than, rather than our private conveniences, like that is a, that is a real need. Um, for us this year, for us this year, prior to your, prior to your, your, your joining our team, Anthony, um, AJ, apologies. Um, well, you well, know I can call you either. The E one B two community, <laughs> the, <laughs> the the they know me as Anthony here, so that's actually interesting. Yeah, yeah. I so the you know I remember so we grew. Um, so the during over the summer there was a uh, the the state government had passed additional. An a subsidy to provide additional dollars to principals uh, across Maryland, um, Baltimore City public school principals um, through the concentration of poverty funds were able to procure additional in school and after school programs that would allow them to bring what 
for whatever reason are now think of thought of as like the extracurricular activities, whether that's that's art and health for some reason, or recess or after school sports. Um, all of these 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 ex- experiential learning programs um, that otherwise could not be afforded by 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 principals can now be afforded. And so for our organization, being able to being able to meet the moment, because there was like a there, there, there's a real moment where all of these schools are, are realizing, oh my gosh, I can bring art and play to my kids every single day. And there are all of these organizations that get get to be the beneficiary of these new dollars, but the state government's not communicating to us that this is coming down the pipeline. There's no preparedness time for the organizations that are going to receive these additional funds. There's just the moment where you know, the moment where you know that more students in Baltimore City can have can have a higher quality day-to-day experience in their schools. And we just have to, we have to meet the moment. That means that we grow from 11 school partners to 22 school partners, and we discover new challenges along the way. How many, how many flex full-time substitutes are we going to need in, in order to support the day-to-day coverage needs of people getting sick at 22 staff? How many are we going to need? We didn't know the answer to that question. We'd never been that big before, um, but we needed substitutes because there were days where there, there would become day, more days where no coverage at schools was being provided. Um, and that is a challenge that with more time, we could have predicted and projected. It was, it became a real time need, a real time problem that we had to answer. Um, so the urgency of now in the service sector is just, is, is just incredible. So how do, we, how do we keep our slow minds moving while, move, while needing to keep at a fast pace is an interesting challenge. That was that was well said. I think um, I think I think I'll try to wrap it up like this. I'll, I'll I'll say this. I I hear what Jason's saying. I hear what you're saying. I hear the 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 in between mindset I have on it. I'm kind of stuck in the middle, you know, because I am one to kind of I I am one to move slowly to move fast. I am one to do the hard work of of of, of having thoughtful conversations, breaking down psychologies understanding why we're doing something where we're trying to go in order for us to then have clarity to move quickly because i mean that and that's just and that's and that's actually why neuroscience there's a lot of leaders out here that are starting to like work with ceos and work work with executives around neuroscience and and i would actually i actually know enough and i think you know kind of going along the theme of this of this episode i think we collectively uh, as a as an executive team could definitely spend some time, you know, ex- you know, extracting the knowledge that I have, and then building on that with other blogs, other other podcasts, other people in this space, and understanding that, you know, when the mind does have clarity at a neuroscience level, like when you have clear understanding of, of where you're going, from a roadmap perspective, um, you 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 know exactly what you're doing. Thus, you could like it's just like driving, you know, it's just like driving when. When you don't need to turn on the GPS to drive, you may know a couple shortcuts. You may you may know when you can drive 80 miles an hour when it really should be like 55 or 60 because you know where that cop sits every like you know you know all the different scenarios. You know you know the intangibles. You know the gray. You know all of those variables when you have a clear understanding and clarity. 
But but I think what we are right now, where a lot of brands are right now, is that clarity is not there. It's very cloudy. It's very it's very dark. It's very rainy. There's hail. There's hail everywhere, and 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 the brain and the brain is literally in a threat state. The brain literally is 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 not at its optimal state. And I think if more leaders were to understand that variable and understand that reality, then they would be more thoughtful about slowing down and being thoughtful and recording decisions and sitting on those decisions and, and bringing the we mindset to the to the table and, and, and getting all of the context before making a decision because the, the brain does not appreciate it when it's not clear and, and then when there's not clarity. Um, so amen brother amen brother and i you know i hate to 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 jump in on the closing statement but it does bring me back to something that i read of jason freed that i really appreciate he had said he he had said that he does not like the word sprint <laughs> in the workplace because the 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 moving slow in order to move fast the moving slow in order to be fast it, it's a marathon you have to think of the work as a marathon exactly and I think um, rest in peace, Nipsey Hustle, for that. Actually, do you know who that is? I thought you were nicknaming me Nipsey Hustle, and I, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> well, you should be okay with that. Nipsey Hustle was a great man. He was an amazing rapper that passed away this past year, and uh, he had a program. He had his, his whole movement was called the Marathon. Um, the Marathon continues. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll I get it. my education every day. Yeah. <laughs> We'll wrap it up like that. Now, I do appreciate you hopping on here. Um, we went a little bit longer than, than we planned on, but I think uh, I think people can get a lot. Like, I actually and, – and really, again, guys, to make this statement, and then I'll let you go, Naya, the, uh, the, the point of this podcast, I've always said this at a selfish level, is for me to, 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 to really, like, you know, unpack my own thoughts, um, go back and listen to my own podcast episodes and just – you know, drive this information deeper into my subconscious so that it, it can become a, a, a habit so that it can become a natural behavior, not just uh, not just nice to have, or not just, you know, thoughts, you know, I, so uh, I do appreciate you doing this with me now because I think we're going to continue to, you know, put this into our work and not just have these thoughtful conversations. Do you agree? Much agreed. I appreciate your invitation and yeah. Let's get to work. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. Later. <laughs>